This recording was made on Goringai Country, Northern Beaches, New South Wales. It's the only way that you can describe what a person is, describe what they do. There doesn't seem to be much job satisfaction or pleasure in this picture. Okay, team. Well, uh, what we'll make a quick note of, uh, just to begin with, is the great success of having just climbed the stairs two at a time for the first time in a while. And that is, I suppose, the signature of entering your twilight years. Ah, early into the third decade. I really do feel like I'm an ancient, ancient man. Like I'm a thousand years old, guys, is how tired and, and wrinkly and broken I am at the moment. Well, that's how I feel anyway. But when really like the injury is okay, the injury is okay. In spite of having sustained it on the 29th day, of a 30-day surfathon in surf that I really didn't want to surf in. That guys, I've obviously reconciled that. It is what it is. It's not what it isn't. Is basically that's that's really the truth of the matter. So it's been about six weeks since I've surfed, and it's really is starting to get. I can't wait to surf, guys. I really, I just can't wait to go surfing again. I'm feeling the void. I've been trying to just like balance out the fitness the creativity and the adrenaline of the whole experience just by other means. And I'm slowly chipping away at it, but climbing the stairs two at a time then was really, that's a big achievement. So, and it's actually, it's sort of relevant because I I watch a lot of surfing anyway, watching it at the beach or on the screen and not being able to actually surf. What I've done is actually found some, some pure gold for us in my video watching, uh, this is a bunch of guys on a boat in Indonesia. It's an old video that I was watching. Um, watching their mate get so pitted. Just listen to the primal, listen to the noises. Are you oh. No, 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 no. Yeah, oh, the snow is... Oh. Oh. Yeah! Fuck! Uh. Oh, 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 yeah! yeah. <laughs> oh, he is going to that. Yeah! yeah. Yes, how fucking great is that? How about this noise? How's this? Yeah! Fuck! Uh. <laughs> oh, I just loved it. And you know, that's done something just to, to fill this bottomless void that, that we're discussing. Like, because that sort of conviviality in the lineup is just second to none. And it was good to... I mean, there is some benefit to the internet, I suppose. Most people think the internet's really bad. I actually think it's okay. I mean, it's how you and I are chatting right now. But definitely, I'm afraid of I'm afraid of it as well. Uh, but it is. I think it's okay because for this instance, it's given me a lovely a little boost. Just let let's listen to it one more time. What a what a crescendo. Building. So deep. So deep. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That guy had no that guy really did have no business making making that wave. So whatever you feel about those noises, they were definitely warranted in that incredible situation. So anyway, so we're back at Trash Talk Studios to talk some more trash, <laughs> basically. Talking about trash, we're talking um 
we're talking in trash tongue actually is the language. I think that's what they call this anyway. Uh, <clears throat> it's not like uh, it's not like an evil tongue like the Harry Potter thing, but some of us do speak a lot of trash tongue at home. And so it's nice for us to just convene in this manner and um, and just verify ourselves to one another. And if all if all I'm talking to is other versions of myself, well then great, I've saved myself needing to have this conversation in real life. Great. Very good. But we do have some stuff to get to. And I suppose most pressingly for me, certainly, was the realization this week that here at, here on this podcast, we've called the future again. I'm just going to let that sink in for a while because if you were listening years ago, which is kind of frightening that this podcast is old enough to be years ago, but if you've been listening years ago, we talked about electric motorbikes. No, all kind of. We talked about electric bicycles and electric motorcycles and the convergence of these two different disciplines that will eventually unify in this one extraordinary vehicle two-wheeled vehicle that will have great range, shock absorption, uh, safety features and and high efficiency and just be run ideally on a battery powered by renewable energy or just like be able to be run on good thoughts. Ideally, just like maybe it takes 20 minutes for a day's worth of riding, but you just think really nice thoughts about the bike, about getting to ride it and what you're doing with it. And <clears throat> that's the best case scenario, but more likely is batteries. And anyway, guys, it's happened. I cannot believe this. And it's just, it's extraordinary for me and probably for you to just have this clairvoyance of ours that we have now documented enough times to just be, it is scientific at this point. It must be. Some, there's some scientist out there that'll back us apart from you and me, scientists. But it's happened four times now, four times that we know of. Like it must have happened a lot more than that probably, and will keep happening, I suppose. But last year it happened three times in a row. We called out we called out the potential for bogus science to have been pushed by the Federal Department for the Environment regarding coral reef recovery on the Great Barrier Reef. And this, this story appeared in the news that was all about reef recovery. And then meanwhile, you and I were talking about how that very same Environment Department had been pushing against more regulations regarding protecting the reef. So we thought like, oh, wouldn't it be, wouldn't that just be this spooky kind of thing that goes on behind closed doors where someone, you know, pushes the CSIRO to release certain news at, the, at a certain time in preparation for future news. So shady. And then sure enough, that is exactly what happened. So knocked it out of the park with that one. Second, we've been talking about the passenger space flights and then we see it in the headlines again days later, but this time from Prince Wills. And so we realized like, Oh, well, Prince Wills must have been listening and he's just forgotten to give us a mention to the BBC and stuff and, and to his dad. Is it his dad? His granddad. Whoever the new king is, wasn't I suppose wasn't king back then, but like, whatever. He didn't mention self-talking to yourself podcast with Lucky Rowland. And obviously that's where he had heard it. We since got in touch. We've seen like, he's a good guy. And we've actually like struck up a pretty real, like meaningful friendship. And he definitely, we just had this idea organically at the same time. So it's lovely to be ratified, to be on that like really royal wavelength, if you know what I mean. And so you and I felt good about that. And it was also kind of like two home runs in a row. And then the third home run. So we were going on about 
a carbon calculator or some sort of climate calculator, ideally a device that you can pick up and point at an object or person and the device, it's sort of like a camera and it'll just take a reading and it'll spit out lots of, all of the information actually regarding the footprint of, of that thing existing. And actually, no, we even refined it further and whoever's out there working on this, I think it's Mitch. I think I left you a voicemail, Mitch, but can we make sure please that it just spits out one number at the end, like a score basically out of a hundred probably, or I'll wait to hear what you think about that, but maybe out of 10 to a few decimal points, which is sort of the same thing. And we could have saved ourselves this conversation, Mitch, and this is starting to, we'll save it for another time. Um, but it would just a one score, please. Thank you. We'll talk about it later. And ideally this device will just allow us to start streamlining exactly what is and isn't helpful to us presently and therefore to our future and leaving the earth a lot cleaner than, than it is right now. And then days later, we see it in the BBC. Incredible. And so for, to have it happen a fourth time with this bike thing and to have it, have, have it happen over such a longer, more protracted, um, contextually speaking, time frame, like years, and now it's just come to life before our very eyes. And it has in fact... Um, uh, revealed a very uh, urgent new danger. Does that make it an emergent? Emergence? An emergency is just an emerging urgency, right? We have a new emergency, which is youths in my neighborhood cycling these, these push bikes that are actually just motorbikes at this point that have a throttle <laughs> that can be de-restricted so they can go higher than 26 kilometers an hour or whatever it is, that's the actual maximum legal, legal um, allowable limit. So you've got barefoot kids, hair blowing in the wind, surfboard under one arm, no helmet, no shirt, no shoes, in traffic. It's just like, I am a thousand years old, but you also don't have to be a thousand years old to recognize an imminent danger when you see one. But the other thing about that comment is that there is a lot of imminent danger that we're not really seeing for what it is right now, and it's called climate change. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I kicked the table, probably upset the microphone, <clears throat> and I coughed at the same time. God, this is excellent quality podcasting. This is excellent. The quality of the food is just not there. I wouldn't feed it to my dog. Yeah, well, with, yeah. But what we'll do this episode with that um, urgent um, announcement out of the way, what we'll do is actually just do the old school thing here on Trash Talk Studios podcast podcasting, it, which is just, I used to call it reading the news. And you and I have recently come into some trouble uh, with the word news and how it's a little bit defunct. Now, like for me, news means the same thing as .com. Like it doesn't mean anything. It's just noise. But it still has this kind of charm or spell cast over us where you, you, you allocate a new piece of information to the word news and suddenly the credibility is so much higher than just Bill sat next to you at the pub on his fourth schooner telling you some shit. Even though that it's the exact same, except you've actually got a better chance of verifying what Bill has to say. But new, like news, like you can't just go and start a company called with the word news in it. Actually, no. That can't be true because there's news.com and there's, <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I've ever said. But the reason I said that is because I was recently on the business register daydreaming, um, as I'm sure everybody does. 
<laughs> and reading about how there's limit, there's certain words you can't include in business names. Uh, I think users on it. I'll find out. But it, if it's not, it feels like it should be because it's an instantly misleading or or spellbinding word to have in the name of whatever it is you're selling. In it, particularly if all you're selling is is shit you heard from Bill, and. So what we what I'm saying is we won't call this reading the news, but I have jotted down a few updates for you about what's what's been going on, um, in a good way about about the earth, about uh, about the earth, about what we're actually achieving, uh, in order to just steer the Titanic away from this looming old iceberg that actually is probably a poor example because all the ice is melting. Great. Real nice. Sorry, because that's exactly what we're trying to get away from. And you, what this really is, actually, before we launch into the headlines, I actually do have one, um, probably, I suppose we'd call this a prefacing clip from um, from Sensei Ramsey on a recent, um, of course, the material is going to come from Chef, about just another of these beautiful examples of how his whole career is misunderstood. Gordon Ramsay is a phenomenal chef, restaurateur, business owner. But he was also, in some ways, the prophet. Because all he's doing with, with, every, with everything that he makes is just snapping people into out of denial and into reality. And so that's basically what we all need now on a mass level to achieve this mass reshaping of society that we keep hearing about has to happen but doesn't seem to be happening fast enough. And so... And so we have Chef Ramsay on deck to help us. And people don't, like a lot of people don't actually know that about Gordon Ramsay's career is that, yes, he, like, he, he's done this on purpose. It's like Kelly Slater singing us the anthem of feeling the feelings and having that be this rally cry for more powerful action towards sustainable future. You know that I, I'm feeling the feelings again. So that's Kelly. That's Kelly. And we know that. And we're eternally grateful for that. Just like we, we've got this example now. It's, for me, it's a little piece of proof, actually, to just substantiate what you might have just been shaking your head at for the last two minutes. But the proof that I wish to submit to you today as to not the fabrication of, of Chef Ramsay's career, but definitely this, this sublime benevolent agenda behind it which is to impart upon us lessons about climate change and exactly how it is that we're going to pull together and we'll get a new pod system we'll get new furniture but most importantly we'll get a new attitude guys and and we're going to turn this kitchen this whole restaurant around it can happen and chef ramsey just shows it to us time and time again in these 45 minute intervals with these beautiful uh interludes talking to camera like this one that I watched recently, which is, we'll talk about it afterwards, but this is how we know that he's here to help us and to just stage these elaborate um, performances in order to teach us about what's going on with human beings, how we're going to save the world. It's so hard because he's like in a daze. When I poke him, I poke him for a reaction to wake him up, to get him out of that fucking acomatized attitude. And so every time I want to dig him in the ribs, I want someone to come back to me with something of a pair of bollocks. Or actually, sorry, yep, I um, actually forgot about the last part of that clip there because that last um, sentiment there is not necessarily one that I 
well, echo or really understand because I have a reasonable grasp of English, but I, st- and I'm deep in the ranks of um, Ramsey disciples, obviously, but I still can't, the syntax or something. Yeah, but I just don't know what's someone to come back to me with something of a pair of bollocks. I mean, I think I know what he's saying. Not important. What you and I are talking about is, oh, did, <laughs> sorry, did we hear a brand new word then? A comatized attitude. A comatized. Wow. And I see, so, I mean, I know what that means. You know what that means, right? Yeah, of course. We know what that means, but... A comatized... I actually, so I went ahead and looked up the word acomatized, and it might surprise you because of your instant recognition of what that word means, that it doesn't actually exist. And so far as I can surmise, it's a combination of the words acclimate, acclimatize rather, and comatose. And just think about the profundity at stake here in combining those two words. It's breathtaking stuff, guys. You can look up and, and look at Michelangelo's painting on the roof of the whatever, or, or you can just tune into Kitchen Nightmares and listen to, listen to a masterpiece at play. Because the word acomatized, that is exactly what is going on in the world today. We've just been living so comfortably for so long where the restaurant owner who never works on Fridays at 7.30 because obviously we have to watch the EPL. And, you know, who cares if that's the busiest time of the entire week? I'm still doing it. You know, we still think we're doing everything we can to save the restaurant as stuff festers in the back behind us. And and our chef is just putting his private parts in the stock. It Like... We're so kind of acomatized that we're just in this permanent delusion and we just need Chef Ramsay to come along and shake our shoulders sometimes. And so, I mean, with that in mind is why is why I'm sort of sitting here trying to just, I mean, you hit play. So I, like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to blame you here, but if you're feeling like listening to me is being shaken around by the shoulders and you're just like, okay, when can this stop? <laughs> well... I think you know what I'm getting at. So anyway, uh, the headlines. Human beings have successfully commenced incinerating their own feces to produce electricity. Yeah! Fuck! A man has glued his own head to a valuable artwork after throwing food at it in order for people to take him seriously. Fuck me. Battery recycling has gotten next level uh, as far as recycling components that can produce better recycled batteries than the originals that charge faster and last longer. I wish I hadn't messed that up because that's it. We'll get to it. Very good. Our two new studies have demonstrated hearing bird calls and noises and songs and what have you to reduce depression and anxiety. Nice. And finally, an all-time lord has created a successful business recycling chopsticks into beautiful furniture. Yeah! Fuck! Uh, oh, oh, you're making it! Fuck oh, off! Oh, he's gonna make that! Yeah! yeah. So yeah. what we'll do now is just blast through these one by one with a bit more detail so that you're armed. You know, so that you're armed and ready to go out into the world with a bit of fresh new information as to why the earth is not fucked it's so not because the reason actually is if you open your eyes and look around you oh 
Oh, it's all still going. Oh, sweet. So we still got time. Okay, cool. Well, did you know, this is when you turn to your mates. Hey, did you know that Queenslanders burn their own poo to keep the lights on? Which is probably an unnecessarily crass way to refer to this kind of astonishing piece of electrical engineering that's gone on. But truly, uh, this is in a town south of Brisbane that has opened the first biosolid gasification plant that burns human waste to create energy and biochar. Biochar being this byproduct, which is a good, I think, agricultural supplement or um, fertilizer or something. But the main thing is they're burning their poo to presumably in Southeast Queensland, turn on one of those trout that hangs off the wall in a frame and sings and dances at you, which is just an incredible demonstration of circularity. So hats off to to those people. It's Logan is the town, uh, mayor called Darren Power, real name, incredible. So yeah, so that is a happening thing. And so if that's not cause for celebration, then what is? Honestly, did you really ever dream in your wildest fantasies that that we'd be able to recharge Game Boys by pooing and weeing? I think it's mostly pooing. I bet you didn't. And if you did, then you must be the happiest person alive right now. So get your Game Boy ready and move to Logan because the time has come. The reality is now. It's happening. Well, fuck me. Uh, so the next story, oh yeah, God, this story always just bums me out every time I encounter it or, or see a new version of it. These protests regarding artworks, I, I just like, I'm, I don't have the words actually, which is a shame when I'm trying to use them or make them up. Uh, a comatized attitude. Um, so I suppose these are people who want to actually shake the world out of a comatosis more than everybody. Because they're out there doing things that probably not that long ago would have you put away in, in a soft room. And for someone like me, and probably you for hitting play on this incredibly obscure environment podcast, uh, you probably really agree with what they're getting at. And the whole, the whole agenda behind Extinction Rebellion, Just Stop Oil. I don't know if Just Stop Oil is the same as Extinction Rebellion or, or a particular campaign or something, but it's off the Richter, man. It is just, it's wild. So this one in particular, where a guy glued his head, a bald guy glued his head to the artwork, but you knew he was bald because you can't glue your head to an artwork unless you're bald, because if you can and you're not bald, you're gluing your face. And the headline would say, person glues face to artworks. And so the video is breathtaking, where you see this guy walk right up and just sort of like crick his neck towards the canvas, get a little thing of super glue out and then just start gluing it and then like rubbing his head, nuzzling against the artwork. And then his friend is there and his friend walks over and then pours, um, I think it's tomatoes or some foodstuffs. Instead of throwing it at the artwork, as abominable as that is, but that's been the norm for these people. He just pours it down his neck. The guy, the guy who's gluing his head, he just has tomatoes poured down the neck of his jacket. And I wonder if that was part of the plan or whether the guy just bottled it when, when, when it was go time. <laughs> but it's like, it's crazy to watch. And then they just start yelling at everybody there. And so I'm really glad that these artworks aren't actually getting damaged and kind of shocked when you see videos of the other one where they're hurling like mashed potatoes, um, soup and just, it's so full on and it's just all it's doing just like the gluing themselves to the roads and public property thing all it's doing is i think really enraging people and i worry about that 
oh, isn't that amazing? There's an alarm going off in the background, a siren, as we talk about this. Incredible. So I'm worried that even though I believe in what these people are doing and the point they're trying to get across, which is we need radical, immediate action on climate, pissing people off just seems like a very misguided um, step. Because like there's a video, I'll try and find links for all these videos so you can just click through all of them and just get a feel. Don't Not before you go to bed, by the way, because it'll wind you up. And I found that out for both of us. Uh, but I'll put a video up of someone, I'll find it. This girl parks across two lanes on a busy motorway, presumably during peak hour. Puts, I think, locks the doors and then puts some signs up in the windows. And within seconds, the horns are going. And just a couple more seconds, people are surrounding the car, just beating on it. It's hardcore. And so these people are obviously ready to just put themselves their future on the line here but demanding that people have a serious conversation with you after you glue your scalp to an artwork and your friend pours food down the neck of your shirt brother i it's not going to happen i don't need a, a doctorate in psychology to know that this, this is not the way and as a just as a climate someone as anxious as you about the future and what's going to happen to our kids and their kids and etc. I mean, we need to be getting people on side, not pissing them off and disconnecting them further from the issue, I think. So if you have that guy's email, just flick him a note and just say, James, I don't know what his name is. Just say, mate, if you're thinking about doing this again, can you just talk to, and this is from me, you can either say it's from you or from me, I don't care, but as long as, like, as long as James knows, like, just, don't, just talk to one more person. Talk to five more people, actually. Next time you think about gluing yourself to something in order to make a point and be heard, talk to five, talk to 10 more people and one of them's a doctor. And then, I don't know, then your life is yours to live, mate. Just good luck, good luck. And and I guess thanks from the very other end of the spectrum um, of supporters who back what you're doing. Uh, but this is my, this is where my line is, I think. Don't, we can't make people angry. The angriest people are the, the... Have you ever tried talking to an angry person? They're the least likely people to listen to you. You know, am I really having to explain this to you, James? Just take a long, hard look at yourself. And so not fair of me to tell him to take a... That's all he's been doing. <laughs> I'm, that's so unfair of me to say, because that's all James has been doing is having a long, hard look at himself. And I guess I'm just... A little, I'm a little bit sad that that was the best option. Because I trust that it was. But now that we've, I mean, now that we're back at the drawing board, what's what's stage three and four going to be for these people? I mean, I've probably been primed by the first article, but my first impulse is to suggest that it will involve feces. Or nudity, and or nudity. I think that's stages three and four, and I don't know what order they'll be in. But I imagine if we're busy just breaking crazy taboos and exploring boundaries here to make a point, ha uh, and risking being institutionalized, then I, I, that just doesn't seem like it's out of the wheelhouse. I guess we'll stay tuned. But what we should do is move on to the next story, which is probably will surprise you to know is a legitimate, this is one you probably will be keen to go out and tell people because it is for me, it really lifted me up thinking, okay, sweet. This is a clear cut demonstration of exactly how we're gonna get in front of climate change. As far as zeroing in on particular issues, creating circles, and then tightening those circles as far as our resource use goes. 
So this is batteries. This is a demonstration that recycled materials in the cathode. Ooh, oh, scary two-syllable word for trash talking studios, guys. But a cathode is, here we go. Um, I'll have a shot at this and then I've got the, um, the, the story open for us to read, for me to read so that I can represent this properly. I'll have a go though. So the cathode is um, a molecular structure. Everything's a molecular structure. Okay, so the cathode is 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 the molecules are uh, is responsible for voltage and the most likely thing to fail in the battery. I'm, I I just needed to leapfrog there any form of scientific um, description, which I am going to go to this article for. Uh, but it is definitely the cathode is the first thing to fail is when the transfer of ions back and forth. How good's that? The next story is about birds. Incredible. I love this neighborhood. Uh, so the cathode is the most important component for stable voltage and the most likely component to fail. And the, I think the most expensive in terms of the resources and where they come from, which is mostly China, like everything. Okay, really good thing I didn't, I'm really glad actually I didn't try and attempt uh, explaining this. I'm just going to leave it to the incredibly uh, eloquent author of this article on Wired. The cathode is a marvel of molecular choreography. That's the word I remembered, obviously. How much power a battery holds and how long it lasts depends on its lattice of metallic atoms, how well it can catch and release lithium ions. For decades, engineers have fiddled with designs that help this movement along. But the cathode is also the place where things inside the battery typically go wrong. This immaculate structure, so artfully arranged, starts to lose its integrity. Ions run loose or clog up, and just like that, your battery life goes kaput. But as the structure fails, the atoms inside of the cathode haven't changed. This is why, in theory, it should be possible to reuse them. And so then it goes on to detail that this fella at this business called Redwood has been investigating that very thing um, very aggressively and has announced results from a test that proves that the recycled cathode material performs just as well as original. It sounds like it'll revolutionize batteries insofar as the ability to produce batteries domestically based off the volume of material already in that country, as opposed to 80% of batteries, I think this article says. It comes from China. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, 78% of the world's cathode materials comes from China, and that share is poised to grow to 90% by 2030. So pretty scary bottleneck if you use electronic devices, which I actually do. Like, I'm using some right now, and presumably if you can hear this, so are you. So this is big for everybody, and it's just such a... I just love this idea of, of creating circles and then just tightening the belts. And as production and recycling techniques both improve alongside, that circle just gets... It just we just guys circles okay yeah uh, that's all <laughs> trash talk with lucky roland circles <laughs> okay yeah uh, that's all <laughs> trash talk with lucky roland circles okay yeah uh, that's all circles <laughs> that's probably enough of that story but we will move on to the birds uh because i mean if you look me in the face and tell me that you don't just melt. When you hear that warbling noise that kookaburras make, where it's not just like the cackling, you know, laughing at you noise, and they are laughing at us guys, they definitely are. 
And when kookaburras laugh, you have to smile and laugh to yourself as well and just ask yourself, like, what's that kookaburra laughing at about me? Because I bet it's something. And that's how kookaburras help us live better lives. But if you're someone whose heart doesn't melt when you hear the warbling noise that they make when they're not at full tilt giggle and they're just kind of cooing each other, oh, that noise. So it doesn't surprise me in the least to say that there are a lot of studies out at the moment investigating how sounds of nature affect our mental health. The results are really compelling. And I suppose the impression I've been given from reading as many of these things as I can is that it's really hard to objectify subjective data in researching mental health. As far as feelings and scoring feelings and verifying those scores or those feelings, it's pretty hard, but definitely you can identify patterns. And there's a couple of these undeniable patterns we're hearing birdsong in our day-to-day lives uh, correlates with positive mental health. And guys, it's almost like we're supposed to exist outside in nature or something crazy like who would have thought that being outside surrounded by biology is actually better for us intrinsically than being in indoors surrounded by technology mind blown right so Uh, fuck me well fuck me holy fuck fuck me i'm gonna get some fresh air fuck me me. i know but but get outside basically is the answer we don't, it's, it's great to see the science coming along to verify these things, but I suppose at that point, it's in a similar vein to news having lost its status as revered information that we can trust. And now all information is just information and everyone has their own news, just like this is our news and you've got other news and I've got other news. And just like surf reports, you have to amalgamate everything and make the best guess. And most of the time, you'll start to dial it in a bit, probably but not all the time is the thing. Uh, but what I mean, what I'm saying is we don't need to wait for science to tell us this stuff. We can just go and experience it. And we all know it already. When you go for a bushwalk, when you, when you meet a new animal, you pick up some rubbish at the beach. It's such a, these like simple, immersive, tactile, technology-free experiences that are free, may I remind you, to have by just leaving your building, uh, that they make us feel really good. Do you, actually, I saw a crazy one on Instagram. Farazi sent me a video of a guy who, and it looks like it's very well polished, this, this like cut. So it looks like it's out of a documentary or something, but it's this guy who put metal duct tape, like that really thin metal duct tape, across his bed, connected the duct tape to a wire, which he ran out of his window and connected to a, connected it to a rod, which he plunged into the earth. And then he slept on that tape and then started, but his life turned around basically. And it's all about being grounded with the earth to a point where he then took his experience, found a scientist willing to test it. And their results have just been astonishing about the conditions that sleeping whilst grounded to the earth like that can like it makes so many of these conditions so much more bearable, pain-free, anti-inflammatory, all the, all the good stuff, guys, just by, just by getting some metal tape from Bunnings. I'm going to try it, definitely, because imagine if that worked. But this is, I suppose, where how much of our self-belief impacts reality. This thing that I used to talk with Fob about all the time, about situational influence, and like whether you're better off eating something that's... 10 out of 10 on the nutrition score, but you absolutely hate it and it's disgusting and you hate eating it. 
are you better off eating that 10 out of 10 meal that you hate or are you better off health-wise eating a 7 out of 10 meal or an 8 out of 10 meal, say, that you absolutely love? And whether the bioavailability of what you're consuming is influenced by how much you're enjoying the consumption. Do you know what I'm getting at? And I wonder, I wonder whether this, but who cares also? <laughs> if it works, it works. I'm going to try the tape thing and I'll report back. But definitely keep your ears out for birds. Open some windows. Don't get a pet bird, I don't think, though. I feel, I don't know how I feel about storing, storing birds in um, a property. And also, I don't know what that'll do to you socially. But there's danger involved. Is We'll move on to the last story. It's like eating a patch of soaking wet grass after a cow shat all over it. So this is a European guy who has, or is it Canadian? He's Canadian. But they're also a bit European, aren't they, those Canadians? So he's a guy who, in his local town, realized he needed to start small with demonstrating what a circular economy can look like in a business and began recycling chopsticks. And just so happens that this is a guy who had already discovered a formaldehyde-free non-toxic glue and then further discovered, like, I mean, how much stuff have you been discovering recently? Because this guy's out there discovering non-toxic glue and then also discovering that discarded chopsticks are one of the most environmentally intensive single-use items that we produce, considering the miles they travel, the energy in their production, and then the length of time we use them for and where they end up, which is landfill. Unless, old mate, I better know his name, um, has a recycling place near you because this business he's made has scaled out massively. So his name's Felix Bock. Oh, he is German. Okay, great. I feel better about the European comment. Uh, but he is in Vancouver. Okay. Hey, old boy's memory isn't such a catastrophe. Um, probably not far away from it though. But anyway, so talking about hating chopsticks, what can I do with chopsticks? I'm driven by the motivation as an engineer to show what great product one can manufacture from something that is regarded as worthless, as trash. Okay, imagine me saying that in a beautifully romantic German accent. The chopsticks are disinfected at 400 degrees Fahrenheit and then pressed together with the glue in hydraulic machines that he designed to achieve exactly the density needed for various furniture products. And this stuff is beautiful, guys. It's so, it almost has this brand new organic grain to it because it's all these chopsticks get sandwiched. They're different colors, they're different ends, narrow and, and fat end of the chopstick. The way they're sandwiched together almost creates this dot painting aesthetic that is completely random. It's gorgeous. So anyway, so this guy has licensed 60 micro factories running from Bali to Boston, Singapore to Liverpool. What a boss, right? What an absolute lord to figure this out and execute it in such a beautiful and, and tight way. This is exactly what we're talking about as far as designing these small circles where things where resources and materials once they enter that circle can remain in it and not go far that's the that's the dream and with that guys hopefully um hopefully just like that um our acomatosis is a little bit less uh because hopefully right you know that I, i'm feeling the feelings again yeah so hopefully yeah, so hopefully you're feeling good feelings as well. And this was a little bit useful in perhaps uh, just 
chucking some weight on the other side of the scales here about likelihood of us getting through climate change and not and whether we're optimistic or whether we throw our hands up and say we can't be bothered to do anything because it's already lost which is hey such a cop-out that's not you and me because if it was you wouldn't be listening here right now but if it's someone around you send them here tell them to join in or just i mean introduce them to the work of of the prophet introduce them to the idea of their potentially a comatized attitude and just maybe show them that if they don't change their a comatized attitude well then i can't spell it any clearer we are fucked but that's not the case it's never the case it's the case maybe one in every 60 episodes but that's not what we're here to represent we're here to represent the fact that it's not the case chef ramsay is right everybody we can do this we will do this yeah! <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, cool, great. Thank you very much for listening and I will talk to you soon. And that, my dear, is fucking delicious.